0: Welcome to Ed Council Insights. This is our podcast to provide insights into new legal developments in the Missouri education community. If you are a Missouri school leader, a school board member, or any public educational decision maker in Missouri, well, you're in the right place. Today we're going to be talking about the future of Missouri school board policy and what are the trends that currently exist that affect school board policy. When you stop and think about it, School board policy is ubiquitous, yet amorphous concept. I say ubiquitous because it seems like with every decision that has to be made, with uh, many items that are before the board or perhaps before the administration, certainly school board policy has to be a consideration. I say amorphous because what we're talking about when we refer to school board policy is really not well-defined and we can kind of get into that in a minute, but it really is something that is a phrase that is used in many different ways to mean a lot of different things. And so I think that's going to have to be a part of the discussion or any discussion about the future of school board policy. You know, we spend a great deal of time talking about specific individual policies without much consideration of policies generally. So I want to spend some time today just talking about School board policy generally, and what are some of the trends, and maybe where it should go in the future, or perhaps provoke some thinking about where you and in your school district might want to see your board policies go. I think a great place to start the conversation about school board policy is to really try to give it a little bit of definition and try to figure out what we're really talking about as a concept. Interestingly enough, the term board policy is not a term that is defined in Missouri law. You won't find a statute out there that talks about what a policy is in the context of school boards. Generally though, speaking, we usually define policy as the general principles by which a government is guided in the management of its public affairs. That's a very broad general definition. One thing that is interesting about Missouri law is when you look at the statute that enables school boards to promulgate policies that gives the legal authority for school boards to promulgate its rules, it doesn't even use the term board policy. It doesn't use the term policy whatsoever. Rather, it is an older statute that simply says the school board of each school district in the state may make all needful rules and regulations For the organization, grading, and government in the school district. That's it. That's the statute that enables school boards to adopt rules and regulations as they see fit. It's just interesting that even though we commonly in the education community constantly refer to board policies, it's really not even in the enabling legislation that creates the legal authority for school boards to adopt rules and regulations. So that's really kind of what we're talking about, is what are those needful rules and regulations that school boards need to promulgate that might guide the management of the district? And that kind of brings us to a couple of, of trends that we have seen over the years. Certainly through my career in school law, we've seen a lot of change in how board policies are used and what they exist or what they consist of, I should say. When we really stop and look at it, I think there are probably five trends that we are seeing. One is a newly emerging trend that I want to spend a little bit of time on, but I'll just list them out for you in terms of what I'm thinking. You know, one trend that I think is a really critical one for school boards and Missouri public school districts is that board policy is now much less locally controlled than it used to be. What I mean by that is that when you really look at the development of school board policies and how school boards go about putting together their policies, I think what you'll find is that a lot of it is not locally controlled. And there are a couple of different reasons for that. One of which is that our General Assembly, and to a lesser extent, but to a certain extent, our federal government, They promulgated certain rules for us and made it so that we need to promulgate policies of our own. And I probably need to explain that a little bit clearer. When you look at it, what the General Assembly in the state of Missouri has done with increasing frequency over the years is that they've started to not tell us what to do, but tell us that we have to have a policy that says what we're going to do. In other words, rather than preempt school board policy uh, expressly when they promulgate a statute, the General Assembly has gotten into the mode of what they'll do is promulgate a statute that says we have to adopt a particular board policy, and it it has to say this, this, and this, and that has led to a loss of local control. Good examples of this, uh, you'll see, and I'm not saying that these aren't topics that we shouldn't have board policies about, but the decision as to at least some of the content of those board policies and whether or not we have one that deals with a particular issue has been basically usurped by the General Assembly. A good example would be a bullying policy or perhaps a seclusion and restraint policy. The General assembly's gotten to the point where they are routinely each year passing statutes that require school boards to adopt policies in a particular area. And not only do they tell us that we have to adopt a policy to a particular point, but it also tells us what has to be included in that policy. Or perhaps what they'll do instead of telling us what has to be included, they will say that DESE has to develop a particular model policy with the expectation that school boards will follow that model. what they end up adopting in order to comply with the newly promulgated statute. It is no small irony that a lot of the uh, members of the General Assembly who are quick to make sure that we add all sorts of policies on our books at the local level are the same ones that complain about education bureaucrats and the bureaucracy associated with uh, public school districts. And at the same time, they often promote the idea of so-called school choice, offering opportunities for people to explore options, educational options, where there is less bureaucracy, even though they are the source of some of those bureaucratic rules. Another factor that has contributed to the loss of local control in the school board policy arena and the adoption of school board policies relates to the legal requirements associated with policies, and the deference on policy services. As many of our listeners will know, there are several policy services out there. There's Missouri School Boards Association. There's Missouri Consultants for Education. There's also one that we have that's called Ed Council Guide Service. And these policy services, including our own, provide model or form language That model or form language tends to be adopted uh, to varying degrees with less and less scrutiny. That is a particular trend that we see. And what that does is that it means that you end up with policies that may not be something that are organic to that particular school district, that are not necessarily uh, something that would be specific to the needs of the local school district rather and they are driven more by the terms that are provided by the policy service, and that's led to a loss of, of local involvement and control of school board policies over time. And that kind of brings me to the second trend I want to talk about, and that's one that I would call increasing, <laughs> increasingly cookie-cutter policies, policies that are built off of templates. many. Districts do not really draft their own policies anymore. And really, uh, they don't even think about adopting their own policies uh, or coming up with their own policies unless something's provided to them by the policy service. And what that does is that leads to very similar policies among school districts, which may be a healthy thing. But at the same time, it is something that is a lot of boilerplate language something that isn't necessarily specifically suited for the local district. And so we end up with the cookie cutter policy. And I'll say this because we are a policy service provider that from the policy service provider's point of view, it's very difficult to write a policy that would apply to all districts, districts of all sizes and and with various climates, cultures and community needs. And so, what happens or what tends to happen is that most school districts have trended towards simply adopting or rejecting what's provided by the policy service, but there's not much effort to come up with uh, school board policies organically through the local school board. And that kind of brings me to the third issue that I want to talk about, and that the third trend, I should say. And that is that the board policies, and this is in part because of the policy service providers, we end up with very topically comprehensive board of education policies. What I mean by that is anybody that's seen the policy books for most school districts, they will find multiple binders, several inches each, that include a great many topics. It's as if we have determined that if there's an issue for a school district, we need a policy to deal with it. And that kind of deviates from the idea of what a policy, note my air quotes, what a policy is. Remember, I began with the idea that it's a a statement of the general principles by which a government is guided in the management of its affairs. We have, it seems, evolved to the point where we need a policy statement on any and every issue that there could possibly be in a school district. And that has a toll. It is nice to have that guidance from the Board of Education uh, with respect to a particular topic, but not all issues really lend themselves to school board decisions and a policy statement. We end up with policy books that are very comprehensive, And it's very, very difficult for the stakeholders at times to know what's in their board of education policies and to understand those things because they are so comprehensive. And that kind of relates to a fourth issue that I wanted to talk about or a fourth trend that we've seen. And that is board policy has slowly crept into the arena of administrative procedures. If you look at board policies that have been promulgated over the last few years, I'll even say the last 10 years, what you're going to see generally is an increased frequency of procedural issues being addressed in the board of education policy. What that does, I mean, there are some advantages to that. Certainly, you have a single-source document on a particular topic, and you're able to look at it and determine what your procedures you need to follow, what they might be. But it also results in very detailed, comprehensive, lengthy Board of Education policies. There are times where you'll have a Board of Education policy that's in excess of 10 pages, and it's usually because it includes detailed administrative procedures how to go about doing something that's quite a bit different than just a general statement of principles by which the government is going to be guided in its in its management of a public affairs so what we have is slowly over time through school board policies we've promulgated these rules that include not just general policy statements but detailed procedures that dictate to the administration exactly how they're going to go about the business of administering the Board of Education policy. And in doing so, we've ended up with the confusion that we currently have about the role of the Board of Education versus the role of the professionals. We've ended up with very lengthy, comprehensive Board of Education policies it includes so much information that a lot of times people find it difficult to keep track of it all. It's just a trend that is probably one that needs to be seriously considered by the board when they look at a board policy and determine, do we really want to include all of these procedural things in this policy statement or do we want to defer to the administration in the promulgation of those types of rules and how they're going to go about applying the policy that we've passed. The final trend that I want to talk about is one that's recently emerging. I would say. It is certainly one that we've seen burgeoning over the last year in particular, and that is the influence of partisan politics on Board of Education policy. As we look at it, there is certainly a push in Missouri and nationwide to have school boards become more partisan in nature. And we can talk about what the contributing factors may be with respect to that, why it's going in that direction, whether or not it will be ultimately a situation where as school board members in Missouri run for office, they are marked with an R or a D. But as we look at it all, what's one of the principal functions of those school board members who may be elected on a partisan basis? It's to promulgate board policy. So, as we talk about issues that may be partisan in nature, that might be wedge issues that energize a particular political base, we're going to end up dealing with, if we're not careful, this issue of, as we look at Board of Education policy, we simply are looking at something through a political lens, through a partisan lens. So, if we have to deal with an issue of perhaps curriculum, maybe it's something that relates to how we deal with training regarding racial issues for our students or our staff. Perhaps it's an issue involving gender identification. Those issues, as well as issues perhaps related to school choice, perhaps it's open enrollment or something else. But if you think about it, if school boards become increasingly partisan in nature, It's an opportunity to really change how board policies work and make them very political in nature and go to the heart of a lot of the political issues that we have that are currently a part of the cultural wars that we're all experiencing in our country. So as we look at it and kind of put all of these things together, there are certain trend lines with Missouri school board policies, how they work and who's influencing them and what they look like at the end of the day. And I would just encourage everybody to step back for a moment and say, okay, what what is it that we truly want in our school board policies? Maybe some of these trends that I've identified you find favorable and you think that this is a good trend for us. Perhaps not. But what I want to try to do is to cultivate some thinking, to provoke some thought about what school board policy ought to be in the future and what is happening in terms of its evolution right now. And is that a healthy thing or is it perhaps something that is not best for kids? I thank you for taking a listen today and listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights. We hope you'll follow and share our Ed Council podcast on social media and subscribe to hear upcoming episodes on current legal topics and issues related to school law. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or LinkedIn, or you can check us out on our website. Just Google EdCounsel, E-D-C-O-U-N-S-E-L, all one word, and you'll find us there. Glad we could be together, and thanks for listening to this edition of Ed Council Insights.